Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about fandom callouts because here's the thing. The anime fandom and community as a whole can be very hot and cold. There's been some really great moments with the anime com- community, and then there's been some pretty awful moments. But as a whole, there's just so much anime that really there's a lot of sort of subcultures, I would say, that have created or formed within the anime community as a whole, and thus specific anime fandoms. And today, we are going to spend today's episode calling out certain anime fandoms. We will start off with a more negative view of anime fandoms that with uh, behaviors or, you know, sort of a culture that we really don't like, and we will explain as to why we don't like them and have issue with them. But then we will end it with something really sweet, and we will take note of fandoms who have stood out to us in a very positive way and talked about how or why they surprised us and why they had such a positive impact on us. So with that being said, Isabel, you are starting off this episode this week, and I am super curious on what you have to say because I don't generally hear you talk about fandoms or even engage in them so I have no idea what your picks are going to be so you know start us off what is one anime fandom you want to call out for bad reasons and then we'll slowly shift into the sweet reasons of why you want to call out another one oh yeah sure um yeah you're right Gracie I normally don't participate in fandoms that much or interact I would say or go deeply into the drama uh, as some others might do or you know talk about it on social media and things like that um, but if it is for a series that I do genuinely like I will like look up posts and things like that I'm more of kind of like an observer so if there is drama I'm sitting on the side with popcorn and uh, <laughs> reading the posts or things like that um, but yeah in general like most of the stuff I only know like it happens after everything so I like reading like summaries and things like that and uh, one that really shocked me, and I think it's kind of prevalent throughout many other shonen series and things like that. The one I definitely want to call out is from Tokyo Ghoul. Mm, um, okay. This is, this is in regards to kind of the more of the manga fan base because it came out when the manga came out. And um, yeah, so it's mostly because of the shipping wars. So Kaneki can be shipped with many of the characters you would see this in the anime as well you know he's shipped with Hide, maybe Rize, or like and then Toka obviously as well you know before anyone knew of what the ending was going to be like and when uh and when one one certain chapter dropped it was a chapter 125 in Tokyo Ghoul and the fans kind of went crazy over that um and they basically they were mad at the fact that their ship their ship did not become canon in in the manga. And so they, you know, complained about it and kind of took it out on the author, really, and even started posting, you know, pictures of the fact that they were... It's kind of self-sabotaging because they bought these... Mo- they bought the books and they started burning them. And Oh, oh my, my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, this is 
a little overboard. I mean, you bought that book and, you know, Ishida's work is beautiful, right? So that's why you originally liked the series. But because of this one chapter and because this ship didn't work out because you were shipping them so much, you decide to just kind of like completely drop it or, you know, just go basically ballistic over it. Like that, that was shocking to me. I'm like, oh, that's kind of intense. The most I've seen is probably, I've seen it quite a few times in the My Hero Academia series um, where they want their ships to be canon. But so far, I don't think any of the ships have been canon. I don't read the manga, so I'm not sure. Um, but I see, see a lot of that on like Twitter and maybe like Tumblr or things like that. But yeah, seeing that and reading about it, I was very intrigued. Like, what is going on here? This is kind of scary, honestly. Um, I don't know if either of you two had heard about that or, you know, what do you think about, you know, Tokyo Ghoul fans in general? Like, what your I have feelings about them? Mm-hmm. never heard about that. Like, like, burning the actual, like, copies of the volumes? Like, that's insane because of a that's ship? Like- <laughs> Yeah, that's mm-hmm. as bad as, you know, burning books since, like, way back when. Like, that's horrifying. What? Okay, I have to ask, what was the ship that they were so upset about? Uh. They really wanted a ship. The, to my knowledge, the the, great, the most popular one was between Kaneki and Hide. Uh, uh-huh, but then that's in I 125, I think oh. it became obviously canon that it was between Toka and him. And, oh. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, and then I think some people, you know, commented, "Oh, the you know the author is being homophobic." You know, why oh would he do no! That? So, oh no! Yeah. Okay, okay. So I think it was just really an extreme example. Um, oh my god! I feel like these fans' perception, especially when it comes to gay content, is severely skewed. It's really bad to the point that they just over imply a lot of things they see everything as like uh what what did we call it before uh like um a bait they see it as queer bait and then when they think that oh the author's not doing justice to the queer bait and actually making reality they just go like ballistic and i'm just like no there was no queer baiting in the first place he is just a really good friend to kaneki Mm -hmm. and that's about it that is insane. I mean, uh, this blow this honestly like blows my mind and I absolutely understand why you're calling them out because the thing is, okay, the thing is I do know in the manga that Hide did explicitly say that he is in love with Kaneki, but it is also made pretty clear that nothing is going on from Kaneki's end. Like it's yeah, Kaneki it, is as straight as an arrow. Yes, he pursued an older woman, and he has a lot of scenes with a barista, a female barista, to say the least. So I'm not sure what there is for fans to bit skewed over the fact that unfortunately Hidea is a uh, one-sided love. Yeah, you know, there's why is where is the room to show that Kaneki likes him back, even for that matter? Yeah, exactly. And it's I understand that their relationship is extraordinarily close, and obviously Hide is one of the people that Kaneki loves. I mean, as a whole, love by the way, loves the most in his life. But it doesn't change the fact that you know it was made fairly clear early on that. Kaneki was very into women and he was only attracted to women and he saw like you know it was a girl it was a woman on a date that screwed him up in the first place like let's not forget that so uh so it's just like 
Yeah, like I think I I think that sometimes you like a dynamic so much we can't just accept it as platonic and we want to take it further. And when it doesn't get to that level, you feel personally attacked, even though it is not the author's responsibility to pander to what you feel. The author's responsibility is to simply write the story the way that he believes the story should end. So that is genuinely insane to me that they would burn books because a ship was not canon. I cannot believe it. <laughs> yeah, and when I was... Um, even other ships were also very prevalent. Like, to me, I hadn't read the manga um, beforehand, and I saw, like, I was mostly on Tumblr, and I saw a lot of Tokyo Ghoul posts between also between Kaneki and Arima, who appears later in the series. So I saw so much content about that and them being shipped together that I thought... I personally thought as an outsider, oh, is this canon, you know, or is this going to, you know, how, how much of an effect does Arima have on Kaneki, which he does, but when I actually read the manga myself, I was surprised to see, like, like, I would, I didn't see any indication of it, but the fact that the fans can go crazy about it and maybe even make newer fans believe that this is true or, um, you know, kind of have their arguments about how the ship is going to happen or it should happen, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. <laughs> the only thing that I've had experience of with the Tokyo Ghoul fandom was that some people were unhappy with the ending because the ending ended up being a happy ending. And they were like, oh, Kaneki should have suffered and died because this whole like manga is misery. But I didn't really see it to such like an nth degree. And I definitely thought that it was the minority. Most people were actually just reassured that he did get a happy ending because he did suffer so much. So I had no idea all that drama was happening on the side. How did you feel when you saw that? Like, Yeah, I went to search for pictures, or I saw the pictures, really, and I was like, oh, this, this is actually real. I thought they were joking about it. Like, no way, right? So yeah, I was surprised. I'm like, okay, well, I, at least I'm not on that side of the fandom, or at least I don't feel so strongly about a ship that's that's not basically canon. Like in my mind, you know, it's always up to the author how they want to ship it. Right, right. However they want. And you can have your own ships too, right? That's why we have like fanfics and things like that. And that's where you can go kind of, you know, indulge uh, yourself if you have, if you like those ships, you know, it's fun to have imagination. Uh, but yeah, threatening the creator over that and, you know, doing things that, and then influencing others to do the same thing as you is, I think it's just unacceptable. So I just totally rejected that part, really understandable all right let's cleanse our palette now <laughs> i think it's time for a palette cleanser so uh if this is the fandom you're calling out for bad behavior what is a fandom that has stood out to you for their positive behavior has surprised you with the way that they interact as a fandom as a whole <laughs> yeah i feel like this one's difficult uh because i feel like if i like the anime then all the fandom, everyone that I meet is a great fan of it. Aww. <laughs> so positive. Yeah, I only see positive vibes if I like it, right? Uh, um, to me, though, I feel like the most positive one recently has been Link Click. I really think that the people really love the anime and also just love sharing information about it. And um, I recently met up with someone I hadn't met before, and she was talking about Link Click, and we totally clicked over that. And I thought it was the most sweetest thing ever, just talking about it, really. And then, you know, just 
waiting in anticipation for the next season and just building on that relationship. I feel like it's just something that you can click over, even though this show only has like one season so far. It's so weird that, you know, people make content over it. I think it helps that it before it was kind of like, um, you know, an artist had these two characters. And so they, you know, having this set of um, kind of like art around it and then people also making art off of it. I think it's really nice. I think that's probably what I most par participate in the most is if there's good art, then I'm there. I like, I, you know, I like the posts or things like that. And I try to engage. And I feel like a lot of the fandom does that as well. Um, just to get more traction on it. You know, if you'd get more traction, maybe, you know, they'll make season two a little faster or things like that. Um, but yeah, and then the stories also, I think, are very sweet. I don't think there's anyone who's super angry about anything. Of course, there's not too many ships, so we can't go wrong there in shipping other characters or things like that. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. So far, my interaction with them has been very nice, maybe because it's a small fandom. And yeah, I don't know what the fans are like in China, but to my knowledge, hopefully they're, you know, nice about it and things like that. And they just want to have everyone else watch it. They just recommend the anime to everyone else. That's how I, that's what I do as well. So as you guys already know. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Link Click has a bit of a niche fandom and, uh, and maybe that has to do with why things seem to be a lot calmer. I do get what you're, what you mean though, because you know, okay, so I'm the type, well, you two do know, but I'm going to say it to the listeners. I'm the type of person who will, like, lurk in the shadows <laughs> with, like, a water bottle and just because I want to know what is happening, even though I never plan to participate ever and I haven't ever participated. So, uh, so I have looked at LinkedIn, I'm uh, not LinkedIn, sorry, <laughs> link click. So I have looked at link click <laughs> fandom communities online and stuff like that. And I agree with you. It is very, very sort of uh, naturally just happy. I feel like people really just like the anime. They just really like to discuss and talk about it. And if someone else ends up joining along, they're just sort of ecstatic because they're like, oh, we found a new fan. Like, you know, we were able to get them to watch it and stuff like that. Sort of what you're saying, how you have fun just recommending the anime and stuff like that. So I think it shows that, you know, the people are very satisfied with the story. And I mean, it sounds like they also understand the story and understand, like, you know, what the author wants and, you know, what they went for and stuff like that. So uh, so yeah, I, I totally get what you mean when you said that your experience with uh, Link Click has been really positive so far. What about you, Agnes? Have you got, uh, seen any posts from them, you know, dabbled in the fandom, perhaps just out of curiosity? <laughs> I mean, Link Click has always been on the back of my mind after Isabel started talking about it on our podcast, but I never got the time to actually look into the fandom. Although I do have a question for Isabel. Because there is the two main leads are so close to each other, do fans actually ship them together? And is there any kind of like fan wars or like shipping wars as a result of that? I yeah, I I think it's definitely they're definitely shippable, but I don't think there's anything you know. There's like shipping wars based off of that. I do show I do show because there's a girl also. I do show like them shipping the them with the girl as well, which I think is interesting. Um, Oh, but like they kind of do a three-way shipping or? Or you're just like between the three of them, it'd be like two and two. Okay. And the other two or things okay. like that. Yeah. I think it's hard to have the, you know, a shipping war in a show like this because there's only three characters. 
if there's more characters and I think that's where it becomes kind of more intense you know my ship is better than yours so yeah I think yeah that makes more sense smaller space for that Mm -hmm. what you said kind of reminds me of not the anime for the case study of Vanitas but the manga fandom for the case study of Vanitas because there is actual shipping wars happening for the anime that can be basically summed up as in Fujoshi versus the homophobes and then the bisexual people basically mm. being like, oh, I wish I was those characters because they just want to oh. be in the anime. But interestingly enough, the manga fandom for a case study of Vanitas is very, very different. Like the culture, there's not really shipping wars in the manga fandom. If anything, they just sort of ship the main characters all together, which I thought was really interesting because it's not very often you sort of get an agreement of being like, okay, all four characters, both girls and both guys, let's just ship them all together. Put them together no matter which combination. It works out just fine. And I did thought that, I did think that was very interesting as well as the fact that there was a disparity between the anime and the manga fandom. Uh, but what you're saying about uh, Link Click, at least in regards to the shipping, kind of reminds me of that. So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds very interesting. The fact that they're okay with shipping all four all together in any way possible. So and is that possible? Is that only from the anime you're saying? Anime watchers? Or? No, only from the manga readers. That's what I find oh, interesting. Yeah, like the manga readers oh. are don't have any discourse on ship wars. They're just like, yep, we ship all 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 of them with each other. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. We ship them all. And then in and then in the anime, that's where a lot of the ship wars are happening because we have you know the ones who are Vanitas and. No shippers who are often fighting with the people who are shipping the ships that are straight. And then once again, the bisexual people in the fandom are just like, man, we just wish we were them. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> which I always thought. I think it's the only reason why Vanitas, I think, in the anime has shipping wars is because the last part of Vanitas ends on that weird cliffhanger of Dominique sort of like revealing her inner self about her loving Noe, but Noe clearly is like straddling that line between his attraction towards Vantas versus his attraction towards uh, Dominique. So I think that's why the shipping wars is still a lot more prevalent in the Vanitas anime fandom as compared to the manga fandom where it's much far ahead. There's probably a lot more things to worry about in the manga currently that the manga fans are like, you know what, if all of them are happy together, this is fine. Because as we know, Junmo Chizuka writes angst and tragedy up the ante so i think the manga readers are more prepared for whatever's to come and wish for more happiness for the characters rather than the anime where they're a little bit too hyper focused on the ship you think that but it's still a little different when i say they are shipping all the characters with each other i mean literally like they will actually they will like a person will share like a fan art of dominique and john and then share a fan art of dominique and noe and then share a fan art of dominique and body like they are genuinely shipping all the characters with each other which is why i did which is why i did find that fascinating because i don't think that's a very common thing to see in any sort of fandom whatsoever uh it's not it it goes a little beyond just like oh i just want the characters to be happy it genuinely looks like a polyamorous shipping i was like this is my first time witnessing that so Oh, it's your first time? I would say, like, it's not really my first time because I look at Castlevania and (laughs) there's kind of a lot of polyamorous things going on (laughs) with the the four main characters. So by the end of season four, I was like, I I love all of it. I don't really care who ships what. I think (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and that goes back to my point of how like maybe that's the reason why so many people are really game at least like in the manga they're game to ship anyone with anyone so as long as you know it's not some dubious you know sketchy right, stuff right because there's so much more at stake in the manga that having anybody be happy in whatever ship is what satisfies everybody got it i see what you're saying now it's in the similar vein of castlevania 2 there is so much depression in season three and season four is like barely the light at the end of the time yeah you know? yeah okay i see what you're saying now <laughs> oh man all right well this is a good segue since you know agnes you've started talking so i'm guessing castlevania is not one of the ones you're going to mention. I mean, definitely probably not one of the ones that you want to call out for their bad behavior. So give it to us. You know, which fandom are you deciding today to hammer to the wall and call them out for their bad behaviors? <laughs> I thought about it while on the drive home today. And I was like, do I want to call out the Attack on Titan fandom that I haven't really touched in months currently, but I know that there's a lot of really sketchy going on in the background with a lot of its fans including my younger cousin who's gotten really uh -oh. into it or do i want to talk Ooh. about something that i do have a little bit more experience in and just watching the overall community and i'm like you know what i think i'll go with the slightly safer one let's talk about yuri on all righty <laughs> <laughs> all right so when yuri on nice dominated crunchyroll awards for of course you know very uh sketchy reasons because crunchyroll's awards were not regulated they didn't really have a lot of bias they didn't have a lot of standards to be set and a lot of the bias went towards the judges rather than the actual fans themselves i think it's to be said that a lot of that culture garnered from the crunchyroll awards and the yuri on ice community back then was pretty toxic with the fact that they shot down a lot of people for being homophobic if they just said Yuri on ice, but had like no context whatsoever. And I think that was extraordinarily disservicing because it really showed the internet and the rest of the world how toxic the Yuri on ice community was while disregarding the fact that Yuri on ice is what you would consider a celebration in, let's say, quote unquote celebration in the LGBTQ anime community of the first mainstream LGBTQ anime to be aired and to be publicized even and it was such bad i think uh publicity to see all these fans and yuri and ice just go ham and just tarnish the name of yuri and ice and just fans who just enjoyed the series for what it was like i enjoyed the series for what it was i watched it with a bunch of my girlfriends at my house we marathoned the whole season in one day and we were like squealing maggots all over the place because it was how good it was but when i watched the discourse unfold on twitter on facebook and tumblr you start to realize how much of a echo chamber a lot of these fans are living in and it's so disorienting and almost disgusting to see how they just call out other people for being quote-unquote homophobic when really a lot of people are just asking questions about urine and ice or just stating a general opinion but it's nothing harmful to the characters themselves so that's basically my big ass long rant because I also almost edited something regarding Yuri on ice and that person back then did not have very good views uh, towards the outside community that wasn't supportive of Yuri and Ice or didn't care too much about Yuri and Ice. Yeah, so I was going to add a note to that is I have a um, I have a friend who is gay and he, you know, this should be his thing. 
you know, he wants more than anything to ha- see more anime with gay couples. And he loves sports anime. Like, I-, I cannot describe how much he loves sports anime. So this anime should have been his thing. But he was actually very, very highly critical of it. But he couldn't post about it. He didn't want to share his opinions online because he genuinely was terrified of getting torn to shred for having an opinion that he, of all people, is allowed to have because quite literally he is gay, you know? And so... Right, exactly. And it's just it just shows how horrible some of these communities are because they're not actually perpetuated by people of that community. They're not gay. But they're just a bunch of social justice warriors. Yeah, I think there. So I think the issue there is there is two pronged situation is what and one of the issue is actually still a problem that we're dealing with today. So I'm going to go with the easier one first. So the first thing is, I think it is undeniable that the majority of Yuri on Ice fans when it first came out were teenagers, specifically teenage girls. And so it's funny because you're, you're talking to them in past tense. And I actually agree with you talking about them in past tense because the Yuri on Ice fandom very much still exists. But if you look at them now, they have mellowed out quite significantly. They've grown they a have. lot. They have appreciated the medium for what it was and the content that they get, but they don't openly bash people about it and i do think it has to do with the fact of age of fandom we just you know it's weird because we're not that far removed yet from our teenager years oh god But (laughs) i think it is strange looking back now at some of the way that you react as well as knowing actual teenagers in your life and how they're reacting and you really realize you're like wow they are quick on the draw to pull the trigger is like the best way i would put it and so they react very quickly and oftentimes without thinking things through and that's not necessarily bad i mean this is why being a teenager can be so difficult you're trying to understand yourself you're going through a time of literal self discovery as in there's a part of your brain that develops your identity that is at the max level of getting developed at that time. So I am quite talking about it literally. And I think it does manifest in connecting your identity to a piece of media that you love. And so when that media is insulted or that media is critiqued, it's not the media that's getting critiqued. It's you personally have gotten critiqued, which is why you get so rabidly angry because no one likes getting personally critiqued that way. So uh, so that's one prong that has actually since gone like i said because uh because the fandom today is quite different from the fandom back then as the majority of the fandom are have grown up and are very much now adults uh the second prong i would say is something that you know is kind of consistent across all fandoms regardless of anime you know like movies tv shows books is the fact that it can people don't really like hearing a media that shows representation to be criticized because it's already so hard to get in the first place, which, you know, Yuri on Ice, as we've pointed out multiple times, was a major game changer in anime. It is a mainstream LGBTQ main couple at the forefront in a sports anime. It's not labeled as anything that we usually associate, you know, uh, gay couples with. And so it's a big deal. And when that happens, you want it to be perfect because you're scared that if there are any criticisms towards it, 
it means that you aren't likely to get any more of them in the future, which obviously is not the solution at all. If anything, the solution is get as many as possible because then critiquing them would no longer be an issue. But I think that's another reason as to why there can be such like a harsh and scary backlash whenever anyone makes any sort of critique towards them, even gay people who critique the show, you know, get that backlash because they're like, you know, why are you betraying your community? Why are you betraying the representation and stuff? Because they're like, finally, we have one. So why do we need to criticize it? But I think we just need to remember that media and stories exist to be criticized. And if the criticism is not based on I don't like it because it's a gay couple, but more, but instead the criticism is like the pacing is slightly off or, you know, the animation can get wonky or whatever other stuff that is actually regarding the story and not just like what it's representing and stuff. That's fair game, you know, and I think that's something that people today are still kind of struggling with in a lot of uh, media, but hopefully that will get, you know, recidified the more diverse stories we get. I really think that's the only solution we have on the horizon, but that's, yeah, sorry, Agnes, I kind of took over from you. Go on. (laughs) No, 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 that's, that's the, I think you basically took the words out of my mouth is that Partly it's due to age because as we look back on it, it was doing a very cringy part of our lives where we easily latch onto a piece of media like Yuri on Ice that's super impressionable. And then the other half is the fact that it is still really hard to pull out um, LGBTQ anime without having it be slandered because like for instance, the Yaoi community or the BL community in general, is so oversaturated with so many harmful tropes in BL that it's so difficult to remove it and to criticize it openly without having without also shoehorning up good shows that do mm-hmm. really well. Like, even sh- shows like uh, Sakuno Miyano and Given, their reputation is not on par to Yuri on Ice. Even Banana Fish's reputation is not on par with Yuri on Ice. Like, everybody knows Yuri on Ice, but not mm-hmm. everybody knows Given. Not everybody knows Sakano Miyano. Not everybody they knows should, Banana though. Fish. They should, though. I know they should, because Banana Fish, like you said, features a gay couple, but has an extraordinarily deep and great story. But unfortunately, it's so easy for things to get sensationalized that it sears into people's memories, and they that's all they think about. And that's the most disappointing thing about humanity. <laughs> we have shifted from <laughs> As my pessimism suddenly kicks in. <laughs> I said what we have that? shifted from fandoms to humanity. <laughs> in general, you know, like, I, I'm so disillusioned by humanity. But that's what happens when you're a history minor and you're just like, God, <laughs> man, humans don't change at all. I hate this. <laughs> but that's just my own pessimism kicking in. Let's move on to... Probably okay, the better stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to something a little bit more lighthearted because otherwise I'm going to be a angsty mess for the rest of the night and just mumble and grumble like I'm like uh, like I'm eight. <laughs> okay, so let's be a little bit more optimistic here. I would like to call out one of the most pure-hearted, the most patient, and the best fandom that deserved the ending that it got would be the Fruits Basket community. Uh. <laughs> In the wake of the Anime Trending Awards. And I wanted to, and I had actually a lot of communities I was thinking about that deserve the recognition of being a fantastic fandom. But I think Fruits Basket by far is one of the most patient fandoms out there in comparison to many other fandoms that are 
likely more triggered by certain things or fandoms that are a little bit more niche. And so only nice people exist in that fandom. You know, you look at Link Click, you know, the majority of fans in Link Click are very harmonious with each other is because it's such a small fandom and everyone gets along. But when you have a massive fandom like in Tokyo Ghoul or in Yuri and Ice or like Attack on Titan, you know, you get a lot of echo chambers that goes on and creates a mass toxicity. But surprisingly for Fruits Basket, even though it has such a massive community, even though there are so many fans worldwide that watch it in like English dub, their narrative dub, or they watched it in Japanese, for so many years they held on to that hope that Fruits Basket would get a reboot, and it got a stellar reboot, and it finally, in the Anime Trending Awards, it won Anime of the Year for its season 3. And I'm just sitting here like clapping for those fans because it's well-deserved. You know, they never bashed, you know, Attack on Titan. They never bashed any of the series that topped them in whatever categories, but they were so content with, let's say, Fruits Basket winning Shoujo of the Year or winning like Drama of the Year when there were clearly a lot of other contenders on the market. So that's my shout out to you, Fruits Basket, for being such an awesome and positive community in the wake of this incredibly tragic and angsty <laughs> manga and anime series. Hey, look, it ended happy, okay? So... <laughs> It ended very happy, but it was it was a roller coaster ride. Every episode made me cry. One of the few shows that gives Agnes feelings. <laughs> yes, one of the very few shows that make me cry every single episode. I do want to share a story about the first basket fandom. Is so on our anime trending awards, we are actually quite used to seeing uh, a lot of people, a lot of fandom people, upset at second place. Which is understandable. Yes. That is actually a proven psychological sort of uh, a sort of situation. Second place is more likely to be unhappy than third because third place is just happy to get it, you know, versus second place. Yeah. Third third place <laughs> is like I've reached that threshold. I am okay that my skills have gotten yes. second place is like, man, I am a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah it's that, <laughs> that what if like i was so close to first you know so it makes sense for second place fandoms to react more negatively to their ranking than third place ranking and where i'm going with this is first basket season two won second place in uh one of the anime trending awards it's the final season that won that actually won the anime trending awards but the second season was close it was second place and Everyone in our organization was expecting that saltiness, that upsetness that always comes with winning silver. And instead, it was a bunch of comments being like, wow, we did good, you know? <laughs> or they'll be like, oh, we're so close, you know? Like, And they'll do like one of those cry emojis, you know? Nothing malicious or anything like that. But yeah, and a lot of the comments was like, it's okay, we'll do better next season. You know, it's so wholesome yeah, yeah. that you're like, and it's oh like, my god, where did these guys really come from? it's really interesting because that year, Akudama Drive won Anime of the Year, which I do think is well worth it. And I do too, yeah. And what happened was there were a lot of ReZero fans who were quite salty. I think ReZero was fourth lot that year, so it didn't place, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's because ReZero also won a bunch of category awards, but they didn't win any Yeah, so basically ReZero fans were like, well, you know, if it's between Akadama Drive and Fruits Basket, then I would rather have Fruits Basket win and stuff like that. And I just thought that was an interesting situation where the Fruits Basket fandom itself were more than happy with second place and run off with it you know and basically it was like don't touch it it's mine you know while other anime fans 
dumps were upset on their behalf, quote unquote. So I, it was just like an interesting, uh, it was an interesting thing that we all observed. And actually, Quack and you know our overlord, our overlord, and some other people in anime trending even were like expressed their shock in our and like our own like private channels and messages, and they're just like, oh, second place is not upset at being second at all like what a shock this has never happened before on the award so yeah i just want to share that anecdote <laughs> yeah that's it's a fantastic anecdote because it really shows how the fans are just okay with anything because at the end of the day they got the reboot that they wanted you know as compared to you know 10 years of waiting f to see if the fruits basket manga would come to an end first of all and then if the anime would even be concluded because of how half us the ending was unfortunately due to you know broadcasting times and the way that they used to do anime back then so the fact that they just kind of like gleefully ran off with second place was just kind of cute you know like don't touch it but i'm really happy that we got here and then finally they got the the recognition they deserved in the following yeah year. exactly did you uh did were you able to observe any of those that you know agnes and i saw isabel <laughs> yeah i did and then all i was shocked myself because i was like oh boost back actually did pretty well so i was on that boat of you know learning that fruits basket the fruits basket fans actually you know voted in our charts and everything and they were able to have the anime placed i also partly think is you know because uh the fandom has grown as well oh yes in age, i, would I say, agree the average age absolutely so that's probably why we're all more patient and more zen about it like okay i would probably feel i would definitely feel the same way if i was watching it during that time if i were younger i don't know it might be a little different and um but yeah otherwise i would i had the same observation as you all and definitely not as close as um, what you guys might have, you know, watched and seen, obviously. Um, but also, I don't know what you think about, were there any shipping wars in Fruits Basket? Like, I feel like there that used to in, be, right? There used to be a bit. Okay, I will explain because I know my cousin is a diehard Fruits Basket fan since Ooh, okay. the beginning, before me. But definitely before me. She's the one that uh, collects all the merchandise, all the Blu-ray DVDs from Funimation. She just pre-ordered her Kyo that just came in on Good Smiles Twitter this morning because I sent her the link. The last time she pre-ordered something was Yuki's um, figurine and she was doing it while at work and almost failed twice and oh had to God. run to the bathroom on her bathroom break to pre-order Oh my god! She's a diehard fan, She's okay? Not me. Wow. <laughs> She's the diehard fan. And yet... Um, when we were younger, she and I used to have like spats about who was better suited for Toru because I obviously was on Kyo's side. I have a soft spot for Sundare's and she obviously was on Yuki's side. But as we grew older and we were watching the anime, she definitely conceded and she's like, there is no way that Yuki would be good for Toru because there's also a lot of kind of questionable dialogue that happens in the manga as well that kind of derailed her whole... Uh, love for the ship itself and she found herself loving the Machi and the Yuki ship a lot more than she originally did with Toru and Yuki. So I feel like the shipping wars was definitely like a coming of age thing because and especially because of the anime and how the anime kind of like had that tug of war between Yuki and Toru uh, and Yuki and Kyo but they didn't really show the more emotional side and show like which side will actually support Toru more than just like oh there's two love interests that are here that are vying for her attention 
Yeah, so I this is more praise for the author than anything else, but the author very did clearly set up a love triangle at the beginning, but believe it or not, it the ship wars died out when Yuki himself moved on, and that really is a testament to how good she wrote the character because I mean, think about the way that Tokyo Ghoul fandom <laughs> react. Not not yeah. that it was acceptable. I do want to make that clear. It is not acceptable for them to react the way they did. But think about the Tokyo Ghoul reaction versus in Fruits Basket, the people who used to ship Yuki and Toru when they got to the part where Yuki was like, no, like, you know, this isn't the relationship I want. What I want a romantic relationship is more because it was part of Yuki's huge, wonderful character development where he wants to be independent, be himself, and he realizes that if he's with Toru, he's always going to be emotionally dependent on her, and it's not fair. For him or for her, it wouldn't be fair. And so and so when he came up to that conclusion and stuff, basically all the Toru and Yuki shippers were like, oh, we get it. You know, and so as a result, once you get to that point, the wars just die out and there's not really any wars left in all honesty. So, <laughs> yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it does. Thank you. Alrighty. So that being said, it is my turn. And it's funny you were picking beside two because you decided to go with a route that you think would be less confrontational. I'm taking the more confrontational route. I'm calling out. Well, that's because I haven't touched that <laughs> fandom in over six months. So I don't know what's going on. I like I told people when people were telling me like, oh, you should watch this series because I think it's really cool. And I'm like, I've heard a lot of stuff and I don't feel like touching it right <laughs> now. So you as the person who's probably more updated than I am, just just take it away. I, I no words to be said. So I am calling out the Attack on Titan fandom and I have some serious issues with that fandom. So first things first, I do want to, uh, you know, point out that the Attack on Titan fandom is very, very, very large. And so what I'm going to say is obviously not going to pertain to everyone in the fan fandom. And if anything, I kind of see how the fandom has gotten so large that they've kind of broken up into separate pieces. But the part that I dislike is still so prevalent and at least very loud that it kind of takes the face of the Attack on Titan fandom. So here is a list of things that I am not okay with in that fandom. Oh, God. It's she like, you list. know how... Yeah, she has a list. You know how it's like the list of grievances um, with the... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to history. Never mind. Yeah, list you, you of grievances. You mean from Hamilton? Right, I history. think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, not even Hamilton. I'm thinking about, like, uh, the grievances against the, the Catholic Church and the reason why the, uh, the whole... Um, what was it? The Protestant movement. Oh! <laughs> Yes, I have a list. <laughs> that was a long ass list, okay? <laughs> okay, anyway, okay, keep going, sorry. So I have a list. Uh, list number, the first point on number one is you know how bad your fandom is, is if the Twitter account for Attack on Titan and MAPPA have disabled comments, okay? Oh, shit. <laughs> Do you know oh, how badly you are harassing people if company Twitter accounts have turned off comments. And I'm not talking about turning off comments because they've done something corrupted and they want to hide away from it. Because yes, that is something that, you know, uh, company Twitter accounts will do. No, they are literally just posting previews of their episode, uh, layouts and, you know, sketches of the episode and like, you know, announcements and stuff like that. And Attack on Titan fans are bumped 
bombarding them with, why didn't you do this correctly? Why didn't you do this correctly? Why didn't you do this correctly? That they, why are they elitist? They had to turn off comments. That's ridiculous. That is honestly ridiculous. Okay. I know that the anime industry has a huge issue. And I know that it doesn't feel good when you see something you love kind of get into a melting production situation. For example, uh, you know, this season, Classroom of the Elite is absolutely effing terrible in regards to its production. Like, I can close my eyes and randomly take a screenshot and it would look very, very weird because of that's how bad everything is. But it does not give you the right to harass people online. It does not give you the right um, to think you have any say in this regard in the first place. And it certainly does not give you the right to be a bully because that's what you are. You're being a bully. So, um, and I think this is something that a lot of these people are in self-denial on, you know, like in a weird way, I almost feel like physical bullies, they don't self-deny their bullies. They, they just try to like hand wave it away or they try to use like their personality or whatever sort of intimidation tactic to be like, oh, what are you going to do about it sort of thing? But People online who bully, they're like, well, I'm just doing it because I love the anime. Well, I'm just doing it to, like, save the series. they're a bunch of cowards! They're a bunch of shit-faced cowards! That's what they are! <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So, and they are so bad that I believe they, they've harassed, like, individual animators. Like, found their Twitter somehow and, like, harassed individual animators. And one, an animator had to... Right in English. How embarrassing, by the way, because you know that which group of fandom people are harassing them had to write in English uh, when all the rest of their tweets are in Japanese and say, I didn't work on that episode. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That was sad. (laughs) I know. And I'm like low key getting an aneurysm now that I'm recalling that exact tweet that you guys are talking about because it happened during the first like three episodes of attack on titan the final season yes yes right i think mm-hmm. it was like episode four where they were like criticizing like oh like why didn't you guys do this right and the one animator literally spoke he's like i'm not even part of this production like please stop because they attacked uh, individual animators yeah yep, exactly and it's just like uh the t- the self-entitledness of them all <laughs> like i cannot understand there's a part of me that wants to be like oh you have problems with it go animate yourself then you know <laughs> so um but no they should because animation is such hard work and they get and there's a reason why they're all underpaid too so it's like uh, the fans are so spoiled by mappa and by these big companies that produce so much animation that they think that they have the knowledge to do what it takes to be an animator but really they they got zero skills they're plebs yeah so um that's my first point <laughs> Oh god, <laughs> it's gonna. <laughs> How many more points I, do you I'm have not gonna Christy? read all of them, but I do want to know as well that the Attack on Titan fandom has a, an alarmingly large amount of white supremacy and homophobia, and which is ironic actually, considering Attack on Titan is very not homophobic, and so um, homophobia and. Uh, and nationalism as a whole. Oh, anti-Semitism. That's the other one. And so they practically worship Attack on Titan like a Bible. And I'm just like, 
Clearly, something is not getting portrayed correctly if you have a whole group of white nationalists thinking that this is the ultimate manga. You know what I mean? And so, so there's that issue. And I think one of my favorite things I've seen is someone posted on Twitter and was like, oh, do you think Aaron was right to do what he did? And essentially, this is spoilers, by the way, but essentially Aaron decides to, at this point in the series, Aaron has become the antagonist now. And Aaron has decided that he was going to completely wipe out like humanity that is beyond the island. And so someone wrote a tweet where they were like, oh, do you think Aaron was right to do so? And someone quote tweeted it and accurately wrote, only the Attack on Titan fandom would ever ask a question of, do you think genocide is okay? <laughs> yeah. Please. Oh, my God. Oh, they would, though. You know, it's so scary because the moment you said that, my mind just shot back. I have another cousin, that same, a, a different cousin. So that cousin is really into the Attack on Titan fandom. And I actually saw him last week at a party uh, with the family get-together, and he told me that he once asked his dad the question of, like, if you had to kill everybody in this world to, like, save whoever, like, you love or whatever, would you do it? And I thought to myself, I'm like, are you heavily influenced by Attack on Titan? Because that's a pretty reason. And thankfully, his dad is, like, none the obvious, none, none the, uh, the aware of whatever his son is watching. And he's always like, well, there's always a will, there's a way, you know, kind of thing. And so I'm like, thank God for him. But also, like, it's really concerning how it really roots itself in young, impressionable teenagers and almost turns them into, like, hyper-nationalism um, and also, like, homophobia and stuff Which, like that. Which, once again, is ironic because Ymir was very much in love with Historia there. Like, her relationship with Historia was very much portrayed as tragic love. And, and I'm just like, did you guys just skip over that part of the story? I feel like Ymir is just sitting there on her throne. She's just staring at Eren and everybody rampaging on the main continent. She's like, oh, <laughs> guys, are, you, are, you, are you for real? Like, did you forget what we all stood up for? Are you serious? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want her to give. I kind of want her to give Aaron a headbutt like she did to Brian <laughs> in season one. No, it's just like yeah. So I really think that person summed it up best, where they were like, "Only in Attack on Titan fandom will you ask the question: Is do you think genocide is okay?" Because <laughs> so, that's basically what he's doing. Is he's committing genocide? So, um, I think that really all that needs to be said to sum up this fandom and why I have such huge issue with it. So, um, so, and to stir the pot a little more, here's the fandom I'm going to call out for positive reasons. I actually really love 86's fandom. <laughs> ah, you know, I thought about 86 too, and I'm like, it's either Fruits Basket or 86. I'm going to go Fruits Basket. <laughs> <laughs> so 86 and Attack on Titan have a bit of a competition and to put it simply it's not very friendly <laughs> but it's the stupidest competition ever oh my god that being said however I can't say this competition that 86 is the better fandom so the first thing I noticed with 86 is 86 won a lot of awards at our Anime Trending Awards, but they missed out on winning Anime of the Year. They won New Anime of the Year because our awards does like to sort of feature and spotlight any new series simply because it's harder to gather votes and create a fandom in a new series since, you know, obviously 
carrying over one from an old one is always easier. And so that was why they got the new anime of the year award, but they still technically missed out on the gold. And they were genuinely not upset by it at all. They were super happy with the rest of their wins. There were memes everywhere that, that, that I genuinely thought was hilarious. They like found memes of like celebrities who won a lot of awards and they're like holding their like ceremony cups and stuff like they're like trophies. And they instead of the celebrity face, they just put like the 86 logo <laughs> over the face of the celebrities. <laughs> and, and they're like, this is 86 right now. you know. And so... Um, so that's like one thing that I thought was really funny as to they didn't, they didn't ignore the fact that they won so many other awards that they were still technically big winners. And even the ones who were disappointed and upset, they kind of made fun of it. Like they joked about it themselves. Like one person was like, ah, man, we got the pity award, you know, for a new anime of the war. Uh, that's what they think it is like new anime of the year award. And then another 86 fan was like, you know what? I'll take it. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the face of a lot of other contenders and also the highly largest uh, anime community of attack on titan yeah and so uh so that was another so that was something i noticed but even going further i so one thing i was always curious about is when we are promoting our anime awards i like to sort of see big communities online to see if anyone's promoting our awards and asking them to vote and stuff like that and unsurprisingly a really large uh, 86 community i think it was like 80 uh i think it was 189,000 people like it was very large wow um, they were you know posting about us but I was reading their other posts, and honestly, I loved their other posts. They go into history and character analysis. They talk about, like, authors' interviews and, you know, what they've learned as they, like, look back at the series or when they reread it or when they rewatch it and stuff. I really like the ones where they gush about, like, how the anime has changed from the light novels and they liked it even more and just, like, praised the series high up to the sky. And it was just a really informative group, which is perfect for me because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so so I really enjoy just reading other people's like posts about what they've learned in history from the series and you know how they kind of see it reflected in real life. Like one person was like, you know, my only issue with 86 is I feel like it doesn't make sense for the government to not take the AI seriously, you know, for them to brush it aside and stuff like that. And then uh, the pandemic happened and the person came back and was like, actually, I'm, it's happening right now. Like my country's leaders are not taking this pandemic seriously. <laughs> and, so, and so it was just so for them, it was also an eye opener to be like, OK, that is actually very realistic that, you know, I originally critiqued it for. And I really like that sort of self-analysis of going back and changing your mind or even just observing something new that you haven't thought of before. Even like after the awards, there were just some hilarious things I saw in that fandom. Like one, the author teased that like a big character is going to die in one of the next volumes, and then I just see all these tweets like like summoning curses and protection barriers and spells for Raiden because they think it's him. <laughs> <laughs> Me also low key crying at the fact that if Raiden dies, I'll be yeah. Devastated. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like I thought they were just so funny to do that. Another tweet that really got to me was actually during our awards night 
they were uh they had a lot of followers too because they often would tweet about like the author's interviews and help translate it or like translate you know volume summaries that aren't out yet in English and they were just like I'm going to bed because I'm scared of 86 not getting all the awards it deserves <laughs> and, then, and they woke up the next day and realized that 86 won six awards and they're like Damn it, I should have gone to sleep <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute, actually. The fact that the community is so positive, even the face of like an adversary, like big giants that know that they could actually outclass 86. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just, I just think they have so much humor and it's clear that they have so much empathy and knowledge and introspection, if anything. Obviously, this is a huge thanks to the author herself. She has always been very introspective of her work, her Interviews are very extensive, very knowledgeable, very historical, because as we pointed out before, 86 is quite a historically based anime, despite its fantasy sci-fi sort of um, angle. So, so yeah, it's just like, it's just a world's difference, I feel. Like, compare that reaction to the Attack on Titan fandom reaction of, is genocide okay? You know, like, meanwhile, meanwhile, it's like unquestioned in 86 Live. Yes, genocide is not okay, which I know the bar is low in this regard, but, you know, what do you expect from me at this point? Um, so it's, and it's funny because 86 and Attack on Titan have this competition because a lot of Attack, Attack on Titan fans feel very, th- and I do want to note that it is from the Attack on Titan side. It is not from the 86 side. A lot of Attack on Titan fans feel very, um, what's the word? Uh, feel very defensive about the fact that they think Attack on Titan is better than 86. Oh, they seem to feel very insecure, you know, about like their own story and yes. stuff. While 86 people. Oh my God. 86 yes. people are just like, dude, let us enjoy it. <laughs> and, you know, and so, and there are some 86 people who are like, I like Attack on Titan. Like, what do you guys have a problem with us on? And so it, it's just so telling when there's two that are clashing and one of them is always the one that's attacking and claiming to be better. And the other one's just like, I just want to read it or I just want to watch it. Like, leave us alone. <laughs> and so um, my final note is uh, actually uh, an interesting I learned is an interesting thing I noted was actually there's quite a bit of an overlap between the Fruits Basket and the 86 fandom that I was not expecting whatsoever. Um, a lot of the 86 fandom people I saw enjoyed Fruits Basket a lot. And then vice versa a lot of the fruits basket fandom people watched 86 and enjoyed it a lot which is very interesting because those two anime are very very different they have very different characters they have very different settings and atmospheres and plot lines like very very different but the fact that funnily enough these two kind of have like this interlapping of enjoying the other anime i also thought that was interesting so yeah I will I will note that between the two of them, I can see why there is an actual overlap, though, is because both Fruits Basket and 86 dive into a lot of the human depth and emotion of reacting to an environment that they didn't want to be in, uh, in the first place. Ah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So in 86, it touches a lot about PTSD, mm-hmm. right? Especially from Sheehan's side, where he has to grapple with the fact that he is... He is burdened with carrying the souls of the many that have departed during their strife against, like, the Mm -hmm. Giyad Empire, 
right? And he has to carry them basically on his back to somewhere where they can be respected, somewhere that they can be themselves. And the only people that can help him carry that are like five other people that are still left alive with him. And then in Fruits Basket, it's sort of the same thing where a lot of the characters are backed into a corner. They are led in, they are led by a very toxic and um, hurt a matriarch I would say of the household and that there's no way for them to get out and there is a girl who's like their shining ray of hope who they like desperately latch onto but they also need to realize like they need to work things out themselves and so that human depth and emotion is I think what a lot of the fans on both sides really click with because it's not surface level yeah. writing it's not the type yeah. of writing where it's just like oh I have PTSD and I have bad dreams ooh ah uh, oh okay I'll take a couple fill pills and be with friends and everything's gonna be daijobu the reality is it's not how it works from a soldier's perspective. And in Fruits Basket, it just can't be like, oh, why can't you just leave that house? Because the Soma household is so interwoven into society and so powerful that they can't actually leave without cutting off all kinds of social support, parental support, family support, and like even finances too. So in a way, I think that's why they really clicked is because it's so deep as compared to like attack on titan where there are a lot of deep themes i think with attack on titan especially with the idea the beginning themes especially of like racism ostracization and things like that but the fans become so wrapped up in its more surface level story and all of the great animation and the battle scenes and stuff like that that they forget the true core of the series which is now attack on titan painting Eren as an antagonist to show like this is not exactly great but fans still herald it anyway like he's the next coming of satan or something yeah <laughs> exactly i see what you're saying though and i also get like the overlap more when you put it that way uh so yeah i think oh well i don't know about you guys but i am cathartic because i've been wanting to talk about this in a while so. <laughs> <laughs> of course i'm kind of glad you did because i also had a lot of reservations with uh, Attack on Titan and slowly meeting more and more people and getting to know more and more of my friends getting into Attack on Titan but then me on the inside knowing like how bad the production side was being bombarded by fans and how negatively fans reacted to a, or I guess like more nationalism my, these fans reacted to all this content I'm just like I'm more worried for my friends than anything else and I'm actually more afraid of speaking ill about it. like I think earlier uh, this week, I was on call with a couple of my friends to play Final Fantasy fourteen, and they started talking about Attack on Titan. And I was just kind of like awkwardly sitting there in the corner. And I'm like, I'm just going to pretend like I don't really care about this series and just kind of play while they just chat about it, you know, because I don't want to say anything bad and hurt anybody's feelings. But the reality is, is that it's starting to get a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, I'm sorry you have to deal with that, though. Luckily, I don't have to deal with that. So. <laughs> Luckily, like they, they kept it really minimal. It was more of like one guy is like slowly catching up on the season finale. And one guy is just like, oh, how far you've caught up. And then that's about it. They just talked about like where the guy was currently at rather than doing like a deep dive. So I'm hoping that they have a modicum of self-awareness that some things later on might not be actually a good thing and that they should be aware of the echo chamber that goes on in Attack on Titan. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
But yeah, I hope everyone really enjoyed this topic. I obviously had my fun with it. I think the other girls did as well. Truly a time of gossip and tea as girl talks should be. So <laughs> I hope everyone, yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, if you are, disagree with our you know, opinions, please feel free to do so. It is our opinions nonetheless. And so, um, but please feel free as well to reach out to us if you guys have any topics or, you know, just want to share your opinions with us. We are also very excited to read them and i hope you'll be with us next time bye everyone bye bye